Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. Uh, not Dan, Logan. How are you, Logan? Late minute replacement. Uh, yeah, Alex, I'm doing yeah. well. Good to, good to see you and uh, obviously a, a very exciting time for us. So it's uh, great to be on the podcast to, to talk about the, the week that was. Absolutely. It was a late minute scramble. So I do appreciate you being here. Look, as you said just before we went to air, it, it would have been... Um, Bit of a shame not to have an episode in this fantastic week. So it's um it's great to have you here to discuss. Look, a fantastic win on the weekend. We held our nerve. There was no sort of typical city stumble. Oh well, we did concede a goal, so there was a little bit of nerves, but uh, we got through in the end. That's it. Mission accomplished. I think that you know when we chatted a couple of weeks back, it was so much more about the promotion than it was about winning a league title or you know. Uh, anything kind of beyond the, the realms of possibility and just to continue the form that, that we've been in and, and to be able to, you know, go to a place like Lincoln and uh, against a team that, you know, have had found some form and obviously had a lot to play for themselves. Um, it makes the next couple of weeks uh, or next couple of games far more easy on the eye as a, as a City fan, although I, I guess I probably shouldn't say that now because, you know, aspirations have changed slightly, but you know, uh, at the start of the season, we we speculated on on what this season was going to be, and I don't think any of us predicted, uh, you know, a, a straight back up uh, promotion. And so, to have that out of the way, um, and to be able to do it in the manner against a team like Lincoln, as opposed to beating, you know, one of the low, lower ranked teams, um, you know, it's fantastic achievement, and it was great to see us, um, you know, with, stick our foot on the throat, so to speak, and 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 really, you know, cement uh, what. You know, uh, I think we would rightfully so is is ours, and and would be hard to make a case that you know we we haven't deserved the the automatic promotion. Yeah, and it's a bit of a weird feeling. I'm trying to cast my mind back. Certainly not any of the promotions that I've experienced with City. Obviously, 08, um, 2012, and uh, 16 were all final day affairs, with two of those mm-hmm. being playoff finals, and then 2012 going to final day. I presume it would have had to have been the last campaign in League One to, to go back to um, a season where we achieve promotion before the final game and actually, as you say, get to now enjoy, so to speak, the final two games and really sort of, you know, we, we don't have that pressure on us anymore. We can go out and really play quite freely. Absolutely. It's a, it's an eerie feeling and it's not one that we're, we're used to experiencing, which, you know, uh, touch wood, I hope that doesn't mean that uh the the league title is is now at you know at the mercy of of fate but uh it certainly is a a very great achievement uh to to have two games to essentially win one of them and 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 we go up crown champions so uh look it's it's a an unbelievable effort from from the club um the, the players the coaching staff um it, it just really has been a that that perfect season in so many ways with with the odd blip here and there but you know, it's, it's great to be able to say with, with two games to go, uh, City will be back in the championship. And I think rather appropriately, um, I mean, we won't we won't do the 3-2-1 MVP straight away, but I think rather appropriately, I, th- I think this was almost the hardest game to pick out a, a, a top three performers on the pitch because I just felt like so many players performed to the to the peak of their powers on the day. Uh, you know, Magenis with that fantastic fourth-minute goal to put us ahead and, and settle the nerves. Wilkes with the fantastic penalty just 
you know, I think in his own words, he sort of said, you know, sometimes the ball doesn't move, the keeper moves, which was, I thought, a really sort of great way to put it because he just calmly slots it down the middle and the keepers dive the wrong way. Um, and in mid- midfield as well, you know, Honeyman, um, Doherty, you know, the, the usual cogs in our midfield just putting in fantastic performances. And even the unlikely heroes of like the likes of Tom Eaves coming off the bench and, and making it. I think the assist, yeah, um, yeah. I think again, it comes back to to banging that old that same old drum that the depth that we've had in the squad has has been there for all to see, um, particularly at this this level. And yeah, as you said, it was very very tough to to pick the three two ones. And I I don't know. I guess a special mention has to go to Magenis. I know that he's he's got a lot of um, you know plaudits over the last couple of weeks in particular, but to to keep adding to his goal tally in in the way that that he has, he just has been a fantastic pillar for us and. And it's great to see him scoring so freely and, and living up to his potential. Yeah, you know, it's not just, um, you know, the odd set-piece goal or, or a header from a corner or something like that. He, the goal that he took against Lincoln was a fantastic finish and he, he's really started to add that to his repertoire in the last couple of weeks, which is clearly a confidence thing. I mean, obviously a striker at the top of his confidence and powers will be going for those sorts of chances and and certainly put that one away, which was, um, which was awesome to see. Um, and, you know, the mention of Eves, I sort of thought... When he when he went down under the um, under the foul, that you know, I sort of cast my mind back to Nick Proschwitz in uh, that Cardiff game. You know, the much maligned player, and I think I've sort of made the comparison of the two previously. But the much maligned player, I thought, you know, oh, do we do we give the penalty to Eves and let him sort of redeem himself to City fans? And you know, the nerves if he if he missed it or, or anything like that. I think it, it was probably the right call to give it to Wilkes, but there was there was that uh, opportunity there potentially. Certainly was, and I think uh, you know, as you draw the comparison between Proschwitz and, and Tom Eves, and I think that is one of the things that kind of makes Magenis even stand out of more over the last couple of weeks. Is it just to me, it's got this feeling of of he's quite a thick, thick and, and real strong presence in the box, and the fact that he's been able to now um, really kind of throw his body around, and you, you've seen how effective he's been uh, from the headers. He's certainly a different problem to solve than, than uh, I guess, a more rangy option in the, the likes of uh, a Tom Eves or, or Nick Proshwitz. So it's, it's really good to see a, a big man up there, so to speak, that's, um, you know, as effective with his head as, as Bajanis is. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, as you said, it's it would have been nice to, for, uh, I guess, the irony in uh, in the the in comedy of of Tom Eves being the the hero that secures promotion. But I I do agree. I I think Wilkes was the right option, and um, as you said, he calmly slotted it, and and the rest is history. And I'm pretty sure I saw in the aftermath of the game, the Lincoln manager came out and said that he thought that they dominated for large stretches of the game. So even even in the game that secures promotion, quite rightfully, the uh, the comedy of um, you know, the sort of uh, opposition manager bingo carries on to this game where, um, you know, we, we could potentially be very well going up as champions with, you know, 90% of the managers in the league saying that they perform better than us. We'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> the mission accomplished. It doesn't matter what uh, the the League One opponents, the players, fans or, or, or management, I think it's, it's it's been a heck of a season. And I guess on the on the balance of play, like, you look at the results and you look at the the amount of wins that we've been able to, to draw um you know it's uh, it's really hard to argue with with a table that that looks the way it does to secure a promotion with two games to go you say what you want to say um we're we're very happy to be in the situation we are yeah absolutely well um i will i'll, I'll give my 3 to 1 now and we can sort of talk about the the ramifications of the game in the broader picture but um 
yeah, look, as we're sort of saying, um, talking about Magenis, uh, I couldn't go past him for the three votes. I think, you know, settling the nerves early on in the piece, as he did, um, was uh, was a really sort of deserving um, um, honour for him in that sense. Um, I, went, I went Honeyman for the two. I think um, back in the fold in the last couple of games, he's just been doing what he does and I think was really stiff in a lot of ways to miss out on um, player of the season at the EFL Awards. Um, so gave, gave him the two. And then Coyle for the one. And I'm sort of... You know, I know you've been a big champion of Coyle in the last few episodes as well, but I think, again, another fantastic display from him and really, really awesome to see that picture at the end of the game with the uh, all the Hull, all the Hull lads uh, in the picture with Greaves, Lewis Potter, Coyle and uh, Fleming as well, which was um, great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I just... I. I, I can't praise Louis Coyle enough, and I, I know how much it means to to him. And, and as you said, it's the Hullborn lads have have really um, you know come into their own, and you can you can see what it means for them to to return the the club to you know arguably a division that I say we we deserve to be in, um, and it just uh, you know it speaks into that that team spirit and and what we've been able to witness is this playing group seem to really enjoy um, you know what's going on at the club at the moment. They enjoy the. Uh, the playing group and uh, you know you could see in the celebrations afterwards the the time they were having and um yeah i guess it's really it's a delight for the fans to be able to look and see what it means for these players and i feel like a lot of what was lost in or arguably lost in the championship season where we just seemed to be on this you know out of control downward spiral it seems like they've recouped that and you know, it, it hopefully speaks into this opportunity of returning to the championship with a little bit of momentum and a, and a mindset that you know we're we're city again, so to speak, and we we seem to have uh, fixed some of those incredibly dangerous um, holes that we had in the ship. Um, yeah, absolutely, a really positive thing to to, to be able to say. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, for, for my three, two, one, uh, I I can't really argue with the, the case. As, as you said, it's, it has been a really really hard one to pick. I, I would definitely give it to Magenis too. I think that his goal was crucial, and it just he was that presence and and that kind of that leader that we've we've needed for the last few weeks. And he's a large part of of the form run that we've been on. Um, so I would have given my three points to him as well. Honeyman, obviously, you've, you've touched on it, making the the team of the season and. I feel like he's in in our conversation for three, two, one every week, and and Louis Coyle as well. Is, it seems to be right up there. So it's a, a case of the usual suspects. But yeah, you, there's not many players on the, on the pitch last Saturday that you could really argue about. You know, not being at least uh, there or thereabouts. It was it was a really complete performance on the whole. Yeah, so you, you touched on there as well. It was great to see the celebrations from the Hull um, players in the side. And um, I did tweet out uh, after the game the the celebrations from them, joining in with the chants with all the supporters and everything, which, you know, it's great to see that sort of connection coming back into the squad. And you sort of mentioned uh, at the top of the um, at, at the top of the episode some of our preseason predictions. And so I did go back and I clipped out a bit of it, which we tweeted out as well. Um, from I think it was our last episode of last season, which was where we looked ahead to to the coming uh, League One season, and I think my my really sort of key comment in that episode, which didn't make the little clip, was was about that growing disconnect between the players and the supporters, where the playing roster was just getting overturned season on season. The longest serving player is uh, Reese Burke, who, who who to be fair has had a, a pretty reasonable season and, and sort of redeemed himself a bit from the second half of last season. Um, but seeing these these younger players coming into the side, seeing um, Fleming get his run in the side, seeing Lewis Potter cement his spot in the side, Greaves coming into the side, 
um, and Coyle as well. It's great to see that sort of hull flavour coming back into the side. And, um, I, you know, the, the height of ironies is, of course, that there were no supporters in the stands for any of this season, which, you know, as much as we sort of say that we've avoided typical city this season, it's got to be the most typical city thing that we've had arguably one of our most successful seasons with no one there to, to really enjoy it. But um, look, I think, you know, all of us were predicting you know, mid-table finish, it may be playoffs at best. Um, I think you were sort of saying, look, we'd need a change of owners for that to even really be a possibility. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, sort of reflecting on the season as a whole and looking at where we came from with those sorts of um, pre-season predictions, it's, it's been a fantastic achievement. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, listening to those those clips back again, it really was, um, you know, indicative of, of how we were feeling at the time. I think that you know, as football fans, we we tend to to get emotional and we ride the the roller coaster and the and the waves, you know, through the highs and the lows. And I, I can't, I, I know that's probably a bit biased in saying that, but we are, you know, arguably a yo-yo club. And uh, I, I guess the over the last couple of years, we've we've yo-yoed more than ever from the heights of an FA Cup uh, final uh, to you know to the depths of League One. And I know that you know you, your Sunderlands and um, and your Portsmouth would also make a case for for them being in a similar picture. But it really was hard to see. I think when we when we break down the club and we look at how Hull City has operated, uh, sometimes it's about a playing performance that that gets fans disheartened. But sometimes it's just purely about what the owners are doing. And I think what we witnessed at the end of the championship season was almost a, a collision of the two where the players were underperforming and it was a result of poor management. So it was such a hard thing to, to see us kind of crawl our way out of. Um, and it, it is surprising to me that it was able to happen so yeah. quickly um, and, and under the same management that, you know, that arguably took us down, um, which it's, it's a fascinating thing. And, we have to hold our hands up and say we were wrong. Like Grant McCann has has done an outstanding job, and you know, collecting the the League One Manager of the the Year award, um, you know, it, it speaks into that. And uh, full credit to him. I know that he's he's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, I certainly, for me personally, he's not my cup of tea. Um, but what he's been able to do with this particular playing group has has brought a belief back to to this team, and he's he's built a squad that we can be really proud of. And you know, well done to the to the players. It has been it's been huge and and very surprising. I think uh, the best case scenario that I alluded to was uh, maybe sneaking into the playoffs. So to be you know job done with two games to go, uh, you know it's far surpassed expectation. Yeah, I think I was even raising the prospect of another relegation battle. So that just shows how um how optimistic I was for the season. And look, you know you're absolutely right about Grant McCann. I I don't think. You know, for, for all the sort of records that we were setting last season, um, for all the wrong reasons with how, how bad our end to that season was, um, I don't think there'd be many situations. I mean, it's, it's obviously not comparable completely, but the only one I can think of is Leicester winning the Premier League where the previous season they barely stayed up, where you, or Barnsley this season in the championship surviving relegation last season and now being in the playoffs. It's, it's that sort of turnaround, which is so rare in football where a side can, can sort of, under the same management, under you know, essentially the same playing group, go from losing games every week to winning games every week is such a, an incredible shift in mentality. Um, there was, I think, there was some commentary on the fact that um, they were they were uh, leaning on a quote from a from an NBA coach. Is it Phil Jackson? I, I'm not I'm not a huge in my NBA, so I'm probably might be getting that name wrong. Saying, yeah, I think it was the quote was you know trading in the me for the we, and essentially saying you know 
putting aside your egos and playing for the team. And, um, you know, we, we've, we've gotten quotes from the players throughout the season sort of saying how good the chemistry in this group of players is compared to, presumably compared to last season and the season before. And um, you look at some of the players potentially that have disrupted the squad harmony in the previous seasons, um, that clearly that, you know, whether it's a, down to the recruitment, whether it's down to the manager sort of bringing the squad in together and, and really sort of galvanising them, um, it, it's clearly worked and, and and he's absolutely deserving of that manager of the season. And, you know, it's why I'll never I'll never rubbish or diminish the fact that it's, you know, it's just League One. It's it's a fantastic achievement to get this group of players to to turn around so completely as they have. You look at your Sunderlands, you look at Leeds spent n- numerous seasons in League One, Leicester, Wolves, other sides that, that struggled out of this league. So it's a it's a tremendous achievement. It absolutely is. And I I think one of the things that we have to also consider is the when you say I know, I know you, I'm changing your words here, I'm mincing them a little bit, but like you said, with it with it just being League, league One, uh, we know that the step up to the championship as far as uh, you know contracts and wages and stuff changes dramatically. And I guess the the question still needs to be asked now, and it probably speaks into being a, an ungrateful City fan, but. Should we have ever been in this position if, if things were managed better at, at the point when we were, uh, you know, considered far higher up the table, so halfway through last championship season? Uh, you know, there was no reason why we should ever have found ourselves in in this situation, but we did. And if, if contracts were managed better then, if, if conversations were had with players, um, you know, at the times that they needed to be had and there was a little bit of security, then would we have been able to, to stave off relegation? Um, I, I suspect the answer to that is probably yes, but reality is that didn't happen. And we did find ourselves in a situation where we had to crawl out of that hole. And, you know, Grant McCann was was very clear with saying, judge me at the end of the season, um, you know, and, and he asked for that chance. And obviously he got given that chance and he will never have that taken away from him or, or nor will this particular playing group. And I think, you know that's a it's an incredible achievement considering how unlikely it was um and and it's really um kind of given me a, a the i guess the lasting question that i still have now is well what can this team do in the championship uh, we we can expect a few a few more additions but we are a younger squad we're a hungry squad i think it's a squad that probably speaks to a lot of people that you know want to taste championship uh championship success they don't just want to be there yeah. merely to make up the numbers but They've got momentum, and we know that what momentum can do um, in a league. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this young, um, you know, hungry city side can do when they they travel to the to the likes of, of far big clubs. Um, and some of these players would have never never played some of those teams, and that's uh, that's a really exciting thing for them personally, but also for us as a as a club and a fan base that that get to sit behind and, and hold on to the curtain tails and and see what happens. Yeah, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to get um, Mitch on an episode. He's an elusive one. Um, it'd be good to get him on because he did. We were talking in the um, in our little chat um, this morning about this very topic and and how how high can we sort of aim in the championship? And and he was he was sort of probably tempering our expectations a little bit, sort of saying, you know, there are big clubs in the championship, and we haven't really seen, you know, with all respect to the players, we haven't seen Graves or Doherty or, or those sorts of guys playing in that in that level and. And Honeyman in the last season in the championship was um, was one of our weaker contributors, um, and it, it's, it remains to be seen. I guess it's going to be really interesting to see coming into the next season how much is because, uh, as you say, it's a young squad. How much is the natural improvement in the players versus the quality of the opposition at League One level, and and how much have they actually progressed as as players? Um, 
you know, I look at the likes of Elder and Burke um, and uh, KLP and Wilkes who, and, and even Magenis who, who were serviceable players at championship level. They were not slouches at championship level and particular, particularly KLP and Wilkes are young players who are developing and, and still have you know, reasonable ends or, or seasons in the championship for us. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the squad steps up. Um, and look, you know, maybe that's a good segue into talking about, you know, th- there's a number of players who are essentially out of contract for us. Um, I think the club holds options in their favour for a number of them. But, you know, we've got Reese Burke, um, jo- Alfie Jones, um, Magenis, all out of contract with an option in our favour. And, and then Long and Clark are also out of contract. Um, mm. How how would you sort of, I mean, my hope is that really even, and I know McCann sort of said that once the Charlton game's finished, that's when they really sort of, um, go into detail on the plans for the next season, but certainly I'd be hoping that contract negotiations or contract decisions are sort of starting to be had now because, you know, look, as you say, um, one of our big issues in the past has been letting these things drag on far longer than they need to. So how would you sort of approach those players and, and the potential of reta- retaining them? It's it's an interesting question to answer from the outside. I think that what what we always as fans you know tend to lean towards is just merely on on uh, on pitch performances, and I think that that's a, a pretty good place to start. But I think the the work that's gone behind in the you know behind the scenes in the in the dressing room is, I guess we don't always get a picture of, of who the characters are, and we don't really get um, always the most accurate uh, you know. Uh, indication of, of of who's doing the kind of that galvanizing behind the scenes who, who are the big personalities and who are the players that do um you know warrant that belief and as we've talked about i think magenis to me at least from the outside looking in is, is a player that you know i would not have considered to be championship quality or certainly was you know uh, on the cusp of uh, he could maybe come off the bench and do a job but to you know to consider him a a quality starting striker in a championship uh, squad, you know, 12 months ago, that was far beyond, um, you know, my comprehension. Whereas if I look at it now, he's he's one of the first people that I would probably look to to give a shot to. Um, he's someone that that I would I would certainly try and try and sew up. I mean, we've talked about Louis Coyle and, and Emmanuel's battle for for that position. I think both of those two, um, you know, warrant championship spots uh, without a doubt. Reese Burke, I, I mean. He's, he's now one of the longest serving players in the in the current squad like is that part of of McCann's plan to to try and you know take this group through and, and keep as many of them together um it, it's hard to know I mean we we saw links about with uh, Curtis Davies um you know yeah. uh, we're gonna <laughs> to this later later anyway and and how you know he would be open to a return and I guess the the whole idea of of having a veteran you know come into the squad what's what's that going to do for the for the team squad so look I I want to uh, I, I don't want to shake the question but I, I do think that there's probably a little bit more um, that needs to needs to happen as far as the the dust needs to settle we need to find out you know if we're going up in automatic promotion or if we are league championship uh, league champions and I think once that's done. Um, you know, we'll really be able to, um, particularly the coaching staff, will really ha- be able to put together a concrete plan of, of what it is that that they think is is important, um, and and holding on to those characters that, uh, you know, are going to be pivotal for for championship survival. Firstly, and then you know, making a Premier League push. So, uh, it's it's definitely look. My my in short answer is I think I would sign Magenis again without a doubt. Um, I, I would probably keep. Um, Reese Burke and, and I think Alfie Jones is, uh, is certainly you know uh, 
put himself in the situation in a conversation where he's deserving of a, of a championship contract. Um, there's, there's not too many plays in the, in the crop that I'll be looking to kind of dismiss straight away. No, definitely. And I, yeah, yeah, um, and and I, and I was just going to say, I mean, really great comment that I saw sort of in this on on this scope was um, when City were in League Two, going up to League One. Ian Ashby was seen as not being good enough for League One, and there was a lot of conversation around whether he would be able to make that step up. Which and that same conversation happened the following season when we went to the Championship, and the same conversation happened a couple of seasons later when we went to the Premier League, and you just you know the rest is history. So. Um, I, I wouldn't be too quick to dismiss any of the players. And look, as you say, I think the focus there is on the on the on the um, uh, the, the gelling in the squad, the the um, the atmosphere that they have in that squad, and and not disrupting that, not sort of um, getting rid of players where you know the the results might not be immediate on the pitch, but they're quite significant players in the dressing room or just part of the um, atmosphere of that squad. Um, you did mention there, there was the interesting links um, last night, I think, our time that popped up with Curtis Davies doing an interview with the Hull Daily Mail. And um, about as, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a player who's technically under contract with another club so blatantly basically saying, come and get me. Um, I don't know if you saw that I think it was this morning. Um, he also tweeted out a, a, a throwback uh, Thursday sort of thing yeah. of him getting the man at the match award against Liverpool in the 3-1 game. Um, sort of conveniently tweeting that out right after that article went up as well. So it was almost to say, you know, just to make sure that you got the message, um, you know, he's 36. He, he did have his season ended with an Achilles injury in uh, at the end of last year. Um, so very much get the vibe that if he was to come, it would be very, you know, he, you could probably count on one hand the number of games that he'd potentially play. I mean, who knows? He, he could get back to full fitness and have a really good season. But um and sort of the conversation I'd raised a couple of weeks ago regarding James Chester and, and, and whether you bring in that more experienced centre-back to sort of nurture and guide. Um, Alfie Jones, uh, Jacob Graves and Reese Burke are all, relatively speaking, quite young centre-backs. Um, yeah. And having that senior figure in the dressing room, not to mention it's a, it's a senior figure with quite a rich city history, you know, scored mm. one of our most um, emotive goals, if nothing else, in, that, in scoring that second FA Cup final goal. Um, I've got a picture of it <laughs> sitting on the floor behind me, actually. That's how much um, it, it, it elicited a reaction from me. Um, so mm. what, what, what's your sense on that? Because I think a lot of the cynics would sort of say, well, look, he's probably passed his best. He's looking for one final uh, contract before he retires. He's sort of clinging on to the game when it's probably passed him by. But well, what's your sense of it? What, what, would, you, what would you do? Well, in that interview, he also uh, finished off with a, a shout-out that I'm, I'm sure Ehab has his number. Yeah. Um, he can contact him if he wants. But then he, he kind of made no bones about it. He said, you know, I love that club and I, I, I don't think that anybody, you know, can can discredit that even though he's under contract. He goes, I'm, I'm proud to say that I love that club. They were my four best years. And so, again, that's probably why, um, you know, the – the idea of of someone like Curtis Davies returning is is one that's interesting and why I think it has to be considered to to the dressing room or the current dressing room that we have because if you've got someone like him who who does have you know an, an incredibly impressive football head on his shoulders and has shown that over over many seasons and also loves the club um, is that someone that you're going to you know have come into the dressing room and add to what you've got. Um, yeah, as you said, there's there's question marks around how will he recover from injury? How many games would we expect to get out of him? 
But I guess the flip side of that is he's probably not going to be warranting huge money as well. Yep. And he's going to be hungry. And he certainly, you know, he's, he's proud of proud of the area of Hull. He's, he's proud of the club and he's proud of his time there. So he would not be signing a contract to turn up for one last paycheck if he's if he's at City um, and he's given an opportunity to play for a club that he loves. We, we know what we're getting um, as far as the, the attitude at the very least. So... I think someone like him, I, I certainly wouldn't rule out the idea of, of a return for him. And I think that, you know, if he fits into, again, the, the coaching staff's plans for, for how they want to attack the championship, if he fits that, I would be more than happy to see um, Curtis Davies, you know, strap back on the, the number six jersey and, and, and head back. Fantastic. It, would, yeah. it would, be, would be a great thing to see. And look, and it could even be a case that, it, you know, we give him a, a essentially a one year deal, but then it's basically transitioning into coaching. I think he is, I think he's expressed interest in coaching. So whether he then joined the coaching staff or something like that, you know, you sort of look at Michael Dawson when he left us and went to Forest in a reasonably similar sort of role where I think he's essentially a coach there. Um, so you could see something like that happen as well. So look, it's going to be really interesting over the next four to six weeks, I guess, as we're going to start getting these sorts of transfer rumours and, and possibilities sort of starting to emerge. So um, it's going to be really fascinating. I think I think for mine, um, you know, I'm not expecting us to go out and make big money signings necessarily, but I want to see us make sort of a couple of smart, astute sort of signings. I think I've sort of been on record a lot that <clears throat> I think essentially I, I'm quite optimistic about the squad. I think essentially if we could bring in a reasonably strong striker, whether that be a, a a strong prolific striker from league one level even just to just to increase our options at, at the pointy end of the pitch um I, i'm not too concerned at this stage about the, the rest of the squad i think everyone has earned that right to to get a chance to play in the championship for city and and having that momentum having that togetherness in the squad um i think would would make a, a reasonable um go at it in the championship with with essentially the same squad i think you know, we, if we can sprinkle in a, a few doses of quality, I, I don't think we need a major overhaul. No, I, I tend to agree. And, and there's also players like um, uh, Doherty, who you would kind of argue was was almost too good for League One to begin with. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm sure that he would be, you know, chomping at the bit to to feature in a in a championship side. And as you mentioned, like there's there's not many you know stark kind of weaknesses in the championship squad. Like we're not looking at it going. We need a striker. We need defenders. We need midfielders. You may choose to kind of add quality to what we've got, but you're certainly not looking at these gaping holes that you know urgently mm. need to be filled. Um, and, and I think that that's a, an incredibly you know promising situation to be in before you before you do climb up and, and compete in a in a you know more superior league. Yeah, and I think I think it's good that this season our loanees have been more. Um, supplemental players sort of topping up the squad rather than in previous seasons we might have had I, I know I think it was the first season back in the championship we didn't we, we just didn't have a right back and we had two lone players come in to fill that position so that was always a perpetually necess- necessity of filling that position whereas now um, loanies go back to their parent clubs and we've actually still got a full squad um, and actually just before we do move on just a quick word on on those loanee players out of uh, Dan Crowley, Regan Slater, and um, Gavin White. Are there? Does any stand out in particular to you that you'd want to keep? Would Would you want to keep all of them? Would you want to keep none of them? Or, or how do you say it? Look, I, th- I think you can make a, a strong case for all three of those being added to the squad. I think that if if they're hungry for championship football, which I'm I'm sure they are, I I can't really see any of them 
um, you know, not having shown enough to, to to warrant at least the chance to to make the step up. I think Regan Slater towards the the late or the the latter end of the season has been immense for us. Dan Crowley, you know, came to us under you know with huge regard and was you know by all means a, a championship player. You know, taking the the step down, so to speak. And and Gavin White, I know he's had a few injury problems, but you know when when he's played, he's he's been amongst the goals. He's provided some assists for us. So, yeah, all three of them certainly have a case to to warrant a championship contract. And I wouldn't be disappointed to see you know all three of them all signed permanently. Absolutely. Well, um, let's talk now quickly about. So uh, Peterborough did have a game midweek against Doncaster, which they drew. So um, it does make things quite interesting in regards to the title race um, with. Peterborough and us both now having two games remaining and us being three games and seven uh, seven goals better off than Peterborough. Um, essentially, uh, you know, we can bring in the discussion about the Wigan game now here as well. Um, Peterborough play Lincoln, we play Wigan. Essentially, a win against Wigan would secure the title, um, uh, which would be fantastic. I, I did so, saw the comment on Twitter the other day that it, it'd be quite poetic given given sort of the the nail in the coffin or the the symbolic end of our season last year came against Wigan in that 8-0 defeat mm. to, to secure the title against them. And it would be our first ever league double over them as well, um, would be quite symbolic. But look, you know, that Peterborough result really helps. Mm. Oh, a huge result. And I think uh, it's probably, well, it certainly is, you know, too little too late for, for Doncaster, but a great result against a, a, t- a team that, you know, is, well, was, was flying. And it, it does us a massive favour in the in the sense that, you know, as you said, that that goal difference of seven looks pretty promising. That if we were to to claim all three points, you would suspect that, um, you know, we would be walk up champions. And um, yeah, I, I guess the, the other question that I had is which one do you think is an easier game? Because yeah, although yeah. Wigan Wigan do sit, you know, far further down the the table, um, they're pot- uh, potentially they're saving uh, fighting for their survival, and um, I think one win would secure it. So. We're in a, a really interesting uh, game, in or it's an in- interesting fixture where we could see the champions crowned, or we could see a team survive. And um, you know, uh, it's quite nice to see with forty-five games down, um, a team at, at that end of the table having so much to play for, and uh, you know, arguably us to play for our first title in almost sixty years. It's a it's a fantastic um, you know fixture to watch, and uh, it certainly will be uh, even more exciting given the the recent history with Wigan. Um, and the score lines that both of those fixtures that we've played in have produced. Yeah, certainly. And look, you know, looking slightly ahead as well to our last game against Charlton, they've got um, two points behind Portsmouth in that fight for the top six. So both games are really tough for us in terms of, you know, theoretically only needing the win in one of them to secure the title. Um, as you say, I mean, Wigan, Wigan it's, a, it's an interesting one because I'd say that Wigan are virtually safe, but at the same time, they would be coming into this game knowing that they just have to get that win and, and, and not really focusing on anything else. Um, Rochdale, I'm not sure. I think uh, who do Rochdale play? They play Doncaster. So, okay, so maybe Doncaster do us a favour as well and and hammer in a few goals early against Rochdale. But, um, you know, look, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I saw I saw the oh. sort of funny... I was I was just laughing. What about the form guide, uh, the the form table down the bottom? It just it looks like all of the all of the teams looking to stay up in League One. Wimbledon, yeah. Wigan, Rochdale have all just got hot. 
Um, yeah, lots of green green ticks yeah, down there. Say it, but League Two must be an incredibly dark place. The, the fact they're, they're jumping over each other to to get out of that, but it's, <laughs> it's great to see. And I guess that, again, Alex, that speaks into the integrity of of League One. Um, you know, it, it is a it is a fantastic division, and I guess you know that that snapshot right there shows us just how difficult it is to you know to be able to perform over over forty six games. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Yeah, and it's brutal. It's the only league that has four relegation spots. So, well, out of, out of the top four legs. So it's mm-hmm. um it's a very tough one to to try and stay in in that sense as well. Um, but yeah, look, I I saw the really sort of funny comment that if I think Peterborough just need a point against Lincoln to secure uh, an automatic promotion spot, uh, which would mean, of course, that the Lincoln supporters have two weeks in a row. We'll, we'll see um, opposition players celebrating on their pitch at the prospect of automatic promotion, which which would be quite a funny one uh, and unfortunate for the for the Lincoln. I mean, look, you know, all credit to Lincoln as well. For most of the season, it seemed as if it was two of us, Peterborough and Lincoln, would be getting those automatic spots and, and Lincoln have been the unfortunate ones in that sense to, to not make it. But they had a pretty severe stumble towards the end of the season and they've really righted themselves now. So, um, look, it, it's great to be, it's great to have that burden off our backs. We can sit back and relax a bit, but it's going to be a, a really fascinating um, playoff um, playoff final, I guess, out of those four four sides, you know, Lincoln, Sunderland, Blackpool, and, and one of um, a number of teams, really. I mean, all the way down to potentially even MK Dons could still make um, sixth. So, um going to be really exciting into the season but um yeah uh, for the Wigan game itself um interesting one in terms of personnel perhaps a few sore heads I suspect from the celebrations um would you be looking to make any changes to the side would you for example um be a bit romantic and put Max Clark into the side just to to give him a run if he's fit or, or would you sort of you know play same 11 go for the title and just try and close it out I think it's a, it is kind of an interesting fixture, isn't it? In the sense that I think the title is a is a huge uh, dangling carrot, and I, I don't think that City will, uh, you know, certainly amongst the the playing group and coaching staff, they won't consider their job done, uh, particularly now if they've got two chances to win the title and and they don't end up, you know, securing it. I think that that would be, you know, a, a, a significant failure as, as far as they're concerned. However, the fact that it does, you know, present that you are playing a, a team that that are down the bottom of the the ladder, you have come and kind of attained your your number one objective for the season in in promotion. Uh, you know, in some ways, it is a free hit. It's it's an important free hit, and it's not just a kind of throwaway um, game. I, I suspect they might keep the same squad, and then I guess if you know if the the title's secured, then the you can have a free for all in the in the last fixture against Charlton, which is probably more. Uh, what I'd expect to see, but yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too surprised to see the odd change. There might be you know some subtle tinkering with McCann potentially, depending on uh, who's been partying the hardest this week. It would be you know that that may factor into it. But I, I suspect that you know with the way the game is nowadays and and how professional they are, I'd expect to see a change up in the last game, and it'll be all business. Um, you know for this weekend. And uh, burning out the vocal cords, belting out some Freddie Mercury as well in the case of uh, George Honeyman. Um, we should talk as well about those uh, EFL team of the season and, and other awards. I think Honeyman and Elder picked up. So Honeyman got the midfielder of the season and Elder got defensive player of the season. Uh, and then as we'd sort of mentioned before, Grant McCann getting manager of the season. Um, and then those two also being in the team of the season. Were you, were you at all surprised that there weren't a couple of other players like Wilkes perhaps or, or Ingram getting into that team? Or did you think that was reasonable? 
I, I think it was pretty reasonable. I think the, the case, I know we, we discussed it a little bit with um, with Mitch and, and Dan as well, but the case for Wilkes is a very strong one. But then when you when you look at, um, you know, what what the other players, um, to, uh, the Peterborough striker. Uh, Clark Harris, yeah. Clark Harris, who got, who got player of the season and um, and Wyke as well. I mean, it's it's really hard to kind of argue against the inclusion of either of those players. And, I mean, the other case for us is I'm just kind of reflecting on our 3-2-1, two of the players that, that we talk about the most. And I think that, you know, one of the, the undoings could potentially be the uh, the Louis Coyle, Josh Emanuel saga is we had Josh Emanuel, you know, pepped as potentially yeah. player of the season earlier on before Louis Coyle t- took his place. And I think that, you know, you can make a case for either of those players if they had have played a full season um, and certainly maintain the maintain the form that you know that they had been in. Um, you know, either of them could have could have slipped in as well. Um, yeah, Ingram, Ingram, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Wilkes is probably the the closest uh, case that we have to for another inclusion. I, I'm not too upset that that he wasn't, even though he's had a, a fantastic season. Yeah, um, I think. And, he- and- yeah. Oh, and I was—I was just going to say, and and you know, and not too far behind is Magenis and um, yeah. KLP could also have had cases for, um, you know, for inclusion into that side if it weren't for the you know the the performances of the players. I think McGeady also um, took the uh, the midfield spot as well, which you know you may have been able to make a, a case for for KLP being that guy on the left. Yeah, and I think, look, I think there's a bit of focus on the fact that we kept so many clean sheets and, and using that as a, an excuse or, or or justification for having Ingram in the side. But I think it's probably fair enough to say that, that the clean sheets is is arguably a team effort from that defence and our defence being fantastic. And, you know, I, th- I think Ingram did have a fantastic season, but not having seen, um, seen a whole heap of Sunderland games, it's hard to comment too much on that. I did find it a little interesting that they had four players in their um you know, presumably off the back of, yeah, they did have a good run through the middle of the season, but I think we've probably got the longer unbeaten streak and even Blackpool, Blackpool having no players in that side uh, was a little bit of a surprise to me as well. Um, But look, I think overall um, pretty reasonable um, awards all up. Um, So then just before we go, I guess a score prediction for the Wigan game, if you have one. Yeah, I, I, how how interesting it is to pick a a Wigan and Hull City fixture these (laughs) days. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of goals in it. I, I don't know how how it's going to look. I just I wouldn't be surprised to see us kind of maybe three one something along the that scoreline. But uh, I, I certainly don't think it's going to be a scoreless affair. And I, and yeah. I do think we will we will uh, just just sneak it. Yeah, I, I I get the sense that Wigan might actually score first in this one. I think we might be a bit slow out of the blocks um, just because of the week we've had. But, yeah, look, I could see like a 3-2 or something like that, something pretty bonkers. Um, I think it'll be pretty high scoring as well. I don't know if it's going to be too cagey. I think Wigan, Wigan are going to have that attitude if they just got to go for it. They've got to score some goals to, to secure their survival. And then I think that's going to sort of encourage us and egg us on as well. Um, so I could see a pretty high scoring, entertaining game as well. Um but uh, yeah, look. Thank you for joining me. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I got it right. I, yep, you got it right. I, I do have one. <laughs> I do have one question for you, Alex. Before yeah. before we uh, before we wrap this thing up, though, do you think that the promotion and hopefully with the um, you know in, in conjunction with with COVID restrictions being released next year, do you think that will make the the beginning of the championship season all the more euphoric, having climbed the the league, obviously after a season in League One? Um, and then the return of fans, it's its kind of poetic. I can just imagine the buzz around around the KCOM. Do you think that's going to add to the atmosphere of, of our championship I, run? 
I really do hope so. Look, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think, um, you know, there's, there's unfortunately a lot of supporters that are still sort of insisting that they'll stay away because of the alums, which is really mm-hmm. a shame. And I think, you know, I can't, I can't speak for them, obviously, being, being over here in Australia and not understanding as, as completely as them the situation that they've been put in by the owners. But if, if this last year has shown us anything, it's that life is too short sometimes to, to, to deny yourself the pleasures that would, that, that are freely available. Well, I shouldn't use the word freely because I guess that's part of the issue is, you know, whether it's the ticketing prices, but, you know, um, it's, where, where possible, where, where you're able to and where you're just denying it yourself for, for the sake of um, making a point. I think this side has shown just how fantastic football that they can play and they deserve to be watched in front of a full house at the KCOM. And I really do hope that that when football with crowds resumes at the start of next season or, or, or whenever it is, um, that we can see as big a crowds as possible at the KCOM to really fill it up and get behind the team because, mm-hmm. look, it's a fantastic squad and, and they're really achieving something momentous in City's history with um, the performances that they're putting in. So I think I think there'll certainly be a, a big groundswell, um, at least for the first few games, on the back of, you know, having crowds back in the KCOM and and hopefully that can sort of carry through and, and surge us through the season as well. Um, how, do, how do you see it? Yeah, so I was just interested because I, I agree. I know that we've... We've kind of had our problems, but you know, with with what's happened with COVID, um, you know, I, I as you said, you, you, the disagreement with with the owners is is justified. It's absolutely justified. But at the same time, the the team and the squad that that we have been able to wa- watch all this season, um, and it has been one of the joys, particularly you know, as we've experienced lockdown ourselves, and uh, you know, mm. being able to stay up late and 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 sit down and, and watch this city team play has, has been a real delight and. You know, I do hope for the players' sake that um, you know they do get rewarded with being able to play in front of the city fans, which we know are you know some of the best fans in in all of England, and that's yeah. that's not being biased, and you know uh, arguably the world, but it's a very loyal fan base, and um, you know whilst there are some hostilities towards the the managers, I think that this playing group, um, I'd love to see them rewarded and um, you know and and encouraged and shown the appreciation they deserve for for what they've been able to accomplish in, in recent times. So, yeah, look, it'll, it'll be interesting and I, I would, can't wait to, to go back to, to seeing, um, you know, the KCOM bouncing and whatever that is, we, we don't know. But, uh, you know, this this may be the catalyst for some kind of, um, you know, improvement on the relationship between fans and owners. And, you know, that probably requires some further responses from the alums as well. Whether we get it, we don't know, but um, it would be nice to see fans again. Well, one topic, one topic of discussion that I'm sure will crop up in the next couple of weeks uh, heading into the off-season is the potential ownership situation, whether there's any any potential sale on the horizon, whether there's any other sorts of changes that we might see. Um, there's going to be lots of speculation around that as well. So um, that'll be a, a, a rich topic of discussion, I'm sure. But look, until next time, thanks for joining me, Logan. My pleasure. It's good to be here. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're Amber and Black till you die.